Welcome back to CFB Paint. I should be welcoming myself back. I've been absent for the last several podcasts. We appreciate Corey and Steve holding it down. I'm just getting back from Clemson, South Carolina, where I was this last weekend to enjoy a great game. Uh, but we'll talk about that as we get further into the pod. First, we're going to start with our rapid round. Uh, for our rapid round, we're doing the most intramural championships in college. So none of us were D1 athletes. None of us were able to make it at that level. But we all love sports. So we all played a myriad of different intramural sports uh i guess we'll we'll start with Corey and go around and talk about some of your glory glory days and in the intramurals and what was your your peaks that you hit um so i didn't play a ton of intramurals to be honest i played like occasionally soccer and i played football one year and then i played volleyball a few like a year or two and i won volleyball uh championship in volleyball and then I, one year I played football, we came in second. We lost on a last-second two-point conversion to lose the game. Uh, I happened to be covering him as a rusher. I regret it to this day. So, yeah, I won. <laughs> but I got a shirt, so hey. There you go. All about winning that T-shirt. Steve. Yeah, so I won t- two uh, titles. Uh, Aaron, our, our sister, and I won mixed doubles badminton in the – I don't know if we were like the beginner. They they had like I think three levels, and I want to say we were in the bottom level. We may have been in that middle level. Certainly weren't in the, you know, the the, the highest division. But it was interesting because they played it round robin, and we we lost one game, but it was like a tie between us in terms of record. It was a tie between us and another team, and that team we beat head to head. And I remember I was like, that should be the tiebreaker, right? Like and they're like, no, it's total points, and I was like. Well, then you're going to punish us for being more dominant because we actually won in straight sets multiple times. We didn't go to a third set. Like, and I just remember just, I was throwing a fit. Like, I was just like, this is the wrong way to do this. You're, you're punishing the team that won more. What? <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I'm, I'm a competitor. I'm, and we ended up barely having enough. But, like, so we ended up winning. But I was like, even afterwards, I was like, it almost took the, the, the sweetness out of the victory. I was like, you need to change that rule because you're going to get someone screwed over. Like, and so that one, like, again, wasn't quite as sweet because I was just so nervous that I was going to, like, we settled this on the field. We beat them. We deserve to win. They deserve to lose. Anyway. The second one was flag football, and I remember I had the same group of guys that I played with for several years. And it's funny because it all kind of came together. Like I, I played with a couple of guys that were just in like the same building as me uh, my freshman year, and that group stayed together for a little bit. And for whatever reason, some of them graduated, other others sort of fizzled out. And then I was random roommates, just like another guy that signed up for a, a spot in the same apartment as me, who also played. And, and like I came home from one of my losses just furious like that i was like man i'm so steamed and and like he's just like well tell me about it so i start like ranting and he's like hey can you tell me how to fix my defense and i was like yeah (laughs) and so i went to his game that next night and then all of a sudden i realized whoa this guy is a qb he can sling it and so we teamed up and then slowly built this team over several semesters and we would like literally try guys out we'd go play football on a saturday just invite guys and be like Hey, what'd you think of that dude? Do you think he's got potential on our team? We would, we were dead serious, just like nuts about it to the point where he'd like book like study rooms in the business, in the, you know, the building for the business college and say like, 
he'd text me in between classes like hey you got 30 minutes i want to show you something i'd like go up he's already got like four plays diagrammed out on the board be like so i think last time what we really struggled with was this concept that this team was running against us like we were nuts um but it made it that much sweeter that we ended up winning one because we worked at it for i think two and a half years we won it let's see the semester before my final semester so in my senior year got that check that box I was like okay now i can move on yeah that, that's the price of being a champion right there all that hard work i'm glad it really paid off for you um and it's you know still still probably the greatest accolade of your your life to this day so by far by uh, far what's up man? I, <laughs> I that was just a... that was just a scam job Corey. like that was, that's easy <laughs> i'm just kidding uh i played intramural foot, flag football soccer kickball i think those are the only only ones that i did and kickball i played one season and won the championship in that one um as a soccer player growing up i assumed this would make sense i had a cousin who was on the team and he was like hey the way to go is just bunt every time because basically the bases are what they were each round you don't have like a number of outs that gets things out it's just like bat through everyone that or maybe it's an out and then it stops early I, don't, I can't quite remember the rules, but he's like, if you everyone gets a single every time, pretty much you win. Uh, because the bases come back with what they were the last inning. And so I tried to do that. Turns out I'm very bad at kicking a kickball um, without popping it straight into the air. And so I just started bombing them all the time. Uh, and that worked out okay because I had the ability to hit it hard without popping it up, just not soft. Uh, I came three times in second place in Ultimate Frisbee. I was really frustrating. Uh, there was a long time where there was this team that was called Peach Perfect, and they were the nemesis that we had to overcome. They were really good, or at least we thought they were really good. And so they, they'd beaten us badly in the regular season one year. Um, you played a 14. It was like 14 to 7 or 8. Um, and I don't know what adjustments we made or what... If we just came out with a, a super A-plus game, but we played them first round of the playoff. And we're like, oh my, you got to be kidding me. We're playing these guys. And we smoked them 14 to 5. And they were live, like, you could tell by four points in, they were trying to switch to a zone. They were switching up their schemes for defense. You're like, oh, they have no answers. They don't They don't know what we're doing right now. So that, that was amazing. But ultimately, could never break through the ceiling there. Uh, I did ultimately get to Ultimately, couldn't. There we go. Bringing it around. I did get to be the quarterback for Steve's first time winning a playoff game in flag football. So that was one that he had gone a little bit of while before he got in with somebody who's a little bit more serious about it. And I, I got to be on that team. We almost won a second playoff game, but the touchdown pass that I hoped to throw on the, the second to last play hit my wide receiver in the head and he did not catch it. And we ended up losing that game. I threw a bad jump ball for the last one. So that one's on me, but uh, anyhow, we've we've circled through some of our glory days. Steve, you've got the most championships with two. Corey, you can follow up with one, and then me at Tad at one. I'll, I'll go third in our rapid round. Yeah, rapid round was that this this weekend kind of delivered. It felt like like a like a nice buffet. You had a little bit of everything. If you wanted to see a demoralizing blowout victory from one team over a team that maybe got a lot of press clippings, you got that. If you wanted to see a close game that went into overtime that was hard fought, you got that. If you wanted to see a defensive slugfest, you had that in a couple of games. So you kind of got the whole array of outcomes. Uh, obviously, your rooting interest may have 
you know may dictate whether or not it was really a pleasing outcome or not but i felt like the the weekend really delivered on just there was i felt for the most part quality games in every single time slot now i didn't get eyes on all of these games but you know you, you have florida state clemson a the premier matchup in 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 the acc for the last what 10 years that, that delivers a a big game uh that in that middle time slot utah ucla in a rock fight uh uh, kind of a similar, well, uh, not quite the same defensive struggle, but just some offensive challenges in the red zone for Alabama and Ole Miss. And then you go to the the night slate, and and man, you had a, a banger of a game between Notre Dame and Ohio State. Lower scoring. Um, I think that Notre Dame played the game it wanted to play. It just didn't quite get the outcome it wanted, or the right number of players on the field. And I don't know. It was just it was a fun week. There's some that I still need to go back and rewatch. But uh, man, uh, it, it, this does it not just feel wide open to you? That's the thing about it. I. The more I watch this, the more I'm like, and there's seven or eight teams that on the right day I think could win it all at this point. Oh, I think it definitely feels more open. Um, I think if you look at just the rankings, I'm pulling up the rankings right real quick in front of me. I think there's like four or five teams that have first place rankings across one, two, yeah. three, four, five, six teams that have first place rankings in the AP poll. Um, there's three in the, in the coaches poll right now. Um, Steve, I wouldn't quite agree that I, I, I love this week. To be honest, it was missing the, the, the games that were like supposed to be good were just too low scoring for me to really, really enjoy. It was like a kind of like uh mucky. I'm thinking like Utah, US, UCLA. Uh, I think uh, that the Notre Dame, Notre Dame uh, Ohio State game was a little bit mucky to me. I I wanted to see some higher scoring games, some teams going at it, and we didn't really get the chance to see that. Even the Florida State Clemson game was higher scoring, but it didn't feel like a higher scoring game to be honest. No, you're right. Um, and so that's what I I missed. And the other thing I missed was underdogs. Underdogs didn't have a good good week per se. I think you had like Oregon State that lost to to Washington State, but they weren't much of an underdog. They were three point dogs. It wasn't like a oh this is team is surprising me and, and catching this team off guard. Um, for me, like the teams that have won this year have not been or ha- have been the teams that have been largely expected to win or it's been a kind of coin toss. We haven't seen any major upsets that I'm like, oh, didn't see that one coming to some degree. Um, and that's what I, I want to see. I kind of enjoy that part. Hopefully when we get to conference play, we'll see that a little bit. We almost had that with LSU, Arkansas, maybe. Um, but Jane Daniels did not play well in parts of that game. There were a lot of balls that he threw under through in that game. That did not go the distance that could have scored touchdowns. But yeah, that was my kind of my, my take is like, uh, I want some underdogs to win. I want some more chaos. Maybe I'm just like, I want this to be a true 2007, and we got to start seeing people at the top lose. I would be totally in favor of it. I, I think that's something that we could see as the season progresses just a little bit. My takeaway from this week is we are finally in the thick of college football where I think you're going to get good matchups. I shouldn't say good games, good matchups every week and a lot to go through. Uh, as I was preparing the show sheet for today, I'm putting together, oh, here are the, the bigger matchups that occurred. And I find myself in situations where I'm just like, you know, there we can't talk about every game that happened, at least not in any useful analysis. Like if we're bringing up a game for one minute, maybe we have a fun fact for you, but there's a lot to go through and a lot of different important matchups that happened this week. And it's only going to get more aggressive as we get further into the thick of conference play. So that's going to be something to to watch throughout. Um, the other thing I'll say is the last two weeks, uh, part of the reason I've been out is because I've been on the road and I went to 
BYU Arkansas. This is in Fayetteville. And last or this last week, this last Saturday, I was in Clemson, South Carolina. Both times I was rooting for the away team. Going to away games, not not too bad. I've been to a lot of home games at Dope Campbell Stadium and a lot of home games at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, right? That's where I grew up. That's my alma mater. When you're at an away game, you kind of feel no pressure to cheer super big, to be super loud. Uh, I also kind of sit a little bit in the nosebleeds, but it's kind of a nice environment where you can like relax, not quite like you're at home. You still want to be a fan. You still want to, you know, join in on some cheers, but I feel an obligation when I'm the home team to be as rowdy as can be for as long as possible. And my voice should be totally gone the next day. And as a, an away visitor, it's kind of nice to just visit spectate and, and figure that out. Uh, you know, to what degree am I going to be able to impact or do I need to impact this game? Uh, it helps obviously when both your teams win in the weeks, but uh, that that was my my other takeaway. Aside from good games every week that we're getting, being a visitor not too bad. Okay, a couple questions before before we move on past that. Yeah, number one, Bry, man, I, I was just, like after the Florida State game concluded, I was like, man, Brian just nailed it. Like went to two games that were again ones that I, I guess Florida State was a small favorite heading into Clemson, but at, ahead of the season, I think when you bought tickets, they you wouldn't have expected them to be a favorite. Well, and then in Florida State insiders, a couple of them didn't expect Florida State to win this game. Let's be real. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I didn't. I I picked Clemson minus two. Um, and I was just like, man, that has to be like just an awesome experience to go two away games, both where they're, you know, the outcome was very much in, in jeopardy. And, and in the case of BYU, you're like a nine and a half point underdog i uh, i would imagine your level of cheering probably just progressed as the games went on i would think i mean florida state left it very late for me to i mean <laughs> to be fair True. that one had a, a much bigger contingent byu i think that the traveling crowd from byu did a really good job honestly like the noise that they made on the final drive where arkansas is trying to tie it up I, I thought was really impressive but it was super fun i was sitting next to a guy who just graduated from arkansas uh in the summer and we're three drives into the game, three drives for Arkansas, and or maybe four, because they had the long touchdown to start. Uh, he's like, "Is your D line just unbelievable?" And I'm like, "I have bad news for you, man. Like, they're they're there's <laughs> they're not without talent, but like this is a problem for you guys. This is going to happen again next time you play anyone. <laughs> it's not that we're good; it's that you're bad." <laughs> that so was like, I was like, I took, I I think highly of the new DC. I, I think he'll do good stuff, but. No, man, you're going to have issues. <laughs> um, and, and the it's very different. In, I also say in terms of the reception you get as an away fan, BYU versus Arkansas is, again, you're a heavy underdog. Arkansas jumps out to a big lead in the game. So everybody's really kind to you because nobody cares. Um, they're like, yeah, we're going to get this win. You guys came in and paid tickets, so we're happy that you came to, to visit. Um, there's no animosity. There's no real tension between the fans or people like passive aggressively trying to out cheer the other person. Uh, there's a lot of that with Clemson and Florida state where oh, I'm you know, sure. it's, and, and I'd say the place where it sticks out the most is when it isn't a student, when it's a student, you're like, yeah, that's what a student's supposed to do is walk up, say F your school or whatever. And you're like, yep, that's, this is college football. Like that's, that's the expectation when it's uh, grown men and grown women who are doing it. It's weirder um, for sure. <laughs> but that's what you realize like, Oh, there's real stakes here. And uh, 
real expectation for how this game should go or needs to go for my happiness to continue in the way that it has uh, in recent history. So I, I've got a little off track with that, but it felt awesome to be at those two, to be, you know, the one at the end of the game who gets to sit there and I'm standing up in the stands, getting somebody to take my picture in front of the scoreboard, you know, like those, those are exciting things. Um, but also just really cool to experience traditions of two schools. Like I hadn't been to a game in Arkansas or in Clemson uh, and to see the traditions that they have there and to experience all the, you know, outside of the, you know, the, the scoreboard, like the majesty of college football, it still kind of draws us all in. Um, anyway, sorry, roundabout, not sure what your question was ultimately, but uh, it, it was an awesome couple of weeks and uh, glad, glad to be back in the swing of things with y'all. I'll, I'll be much more committed and much more uh, available, but yeah, uh, we can, we can touch more on Clemson and FSU later on, but hopefully that rounds out uh, anything you were hoping to hear early on. Yeah, just, just... Man, you should sign up to go to every road game. Little road warrior, good luck charm for your team. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll do what I can. But uh, with that, let's let's dive into the week. Um, we had a, a good slate and some debate, uh, clearly from the wraparound, on whether it was a good week or not. But let's start with the biggest game of the week, uh, the highest ranked matchup. We had Ohio State Notre Dame comes down to the wire and. Steven, you mentioned the 10 men on the field. Uh, I guess, give us, if you want to start, Steve, your breakdown on the game as a whole and then on that ending, because that was a, a wild one at the end. Yeah, I, so I, I didn't catch the first half. I want to just like lead with that. So maybe Corey's got a little bit more on, uh, on the opening part of that game. But it just looked, it had a, kind of a similar look and feel to the, the, the game played last year between these two. I feel like, Notre Dame has kind of controlled the pace of the game twice now against Ohio State. And Ohio State's been keen to, you know, obviously I think they'd like to have a little bit more of a fast-paced game. But, hey, they've shown that they can win multiple ways, right? They've been able to do this twice now against Notre Dame. There was two instances where I, outside of the the 10 men on the field, which we'll, we'll probably tackle that in just a second, but there are a couple instances where I questioned some of the coaching coaching decisions on both sides. I remember when, when Ohio state ran that end around with about five minutes left on a fourth and one at the Notre Dame 11, I just was stunned, but that, that an end around was the call. Um, so, it, I mean, it was surprising Notre Dame bowed up, made that stop. Um, and then they got the ball, you know, obviously they get the ball with a fourth down stop, but four and a half or four fifty-five left, I think, something like that. Opportunity to really kind of salt away the game. Um, they threw the ball, I think they threw a screen and it nearly is intercepted. Um, yeah, Corey's shaking his head. Um, yeah, I, I was a little surprised you even like ran a screen like to me. I mean, it just didn't make sense because it wasn't like it was a situation where you're expecting a really heavy pass rush or potentially even a, a blitz because Ohio State's expecting the run. And so they're they're all kind of they're moving upfield. You know, they're, they're trying to reset the line of scrimmage, but none of them is trying to, like, blow past their offensive line. They're more trying to control the line of scrimmage. And, and make sure there's not a, you know, uh, they're not leaving a, a gap open for a back to slip through and, and gain yards on the ground. To me, it was just a, a surprising call. It ends up being incomplete. Um, I saw a lot of people praising 
the decision by Ryan Day after the fact, after the game was over, they praised the decision that he didn't call a timeout on the third down play after that, which allowed them to run 40 seconds off the clock. And everyone said, well, you know, in retrospect, again, with the at the end of the game, he ends up avoiding a 10 second runoff. But I was like, well, that 10 second runoff wouldn't have mattered because he would have had 30 more seconds after that 10 second runoff if he calls that timeout. Like I, that to me was just a, a little bit of like kind of, uh, you know, just having the outcome of the decision determine whether or not it was a good decision, which to me is is not necessarily always the case in football. Uh, and a couple of coaching blunders, Corey and I, we talked about this a, a little bit and I don't want to steal your thunder on this, but like the, the kicking the extra point after they score was a little surprising too. Like, man, this is the only ray of hope for Notre Dame is for you to kick this extra point, them to block it and return it back and tie the game at 16 a pop and then go to overtime. Uh, so there's a couple of things that I would have considered coaching blunders on, on Ohio state side, but because the final play went their way, the focus is completely on the fact that Notre Dame had 10 men on the field twice. Um, well, and Notre Dame, that pass, you, you, you could have made Ohio State use that timeout, and then the 10-second clock would have been run off, and they would have lost the game. They wouldn't have had time to do to play. So that, that right. call from Notre Dame, my buddy and Tyler and I were watching the game, and we looked at each other and go, they, they just screwed themselves. They've got to force these guys to have timeouts so that you limit what they can do. You limit any passes up the middle. You limit any opportunities to go down the middle field. And if there's an offensive penalty, you limit, you limit them on on the runoff. And so you have to run that ball. I, I know that you're you're not going to get the first down, and maybe you're trying to go get the first down, but you still have to run that ball to bleed that clock. It felt like it felt a lot like the Tank Bigsby running out of bounds uh, in Auburn versus Alabama a couple of years ago. That if he stays in bounds on that nine yard run, I don't know if you'll remember that specifically, but uh, if he stays in bounds, Auburn wins the game. So, yeah, I, I think it really didn't necessarily – I mean, obviously it went down to that last play, but there were decisions made earlier in the game that could have prevented it from even getting to that point. So, um, again, I'm a big Marcus Freeman fan. I am not a Notre Dame fan, so I, I'm always, like, torn between between those. I think Marcus Freeman's a heck of a coach. I know he's catching a lot of heat today. I think he's standing in there for other people on his staff that probably had that blunder of as far as – you know, why, why did we only have 10 people on the field? I, I don't know. I think he's going to be doing just fine there. I, I really do. I think, I think he's, you know, a young new head coach, but I think he's a, a really good one. I'm, I'm bullish on his future. So um, anyway, I think that's pretty much all I had to say. Anything you had to add, Corey? Um, just the fact that there was only five punts in this game. I mean, the score 17 to 14, there's only five punts because we have, True. we have teams that go for it five times on fourth down. And four times it's not converted, and I think three of those four times it's fourth and one, which are kind of kind of blows you away that like these defensive lines were there to stand up and could could, could affect the game as well as they could. What I also saw was two quarterbacks that quite I, I kind of mentioned this the first uh, week. I kind of went like first first week watching Notre Dame. I was like watching Sam Hartman's pass like passes like they were they were completed, but they kind of looked like ducks. It didn't like he was like getting the ball out there very well. Because um, they're playing nobodies, and this game they, he didn't really attempt that. In this game, he didn't attempt those long passes. There are three passes that he has for over twenty-five yards. That that uh, they basically go for. A, I think they go for seventy-eight yards or something like that. The other fourteen completions go for ninety-seven yards. You're looking at seven yards a completion, not seven yards an attempt. You're looking at seven yards a completion. That's terrible. Like you're not airing the ball out very much at all against this defense. 
And so you're not really testing this defense. I'm interested to see what really Notre Dame is. Because can this team play a team that is going to, like, I mean, they played Ohio State, which is we think is, has a good defense. But, like, if a team can shut them down in the middle, because Notre Dame actually did a pretty good job of running the ball against Ohio State. Um, but if they have a team that can shut them down in the middle and they force Sam Hartman to beat them, can Sam Hartman beat them? I, I mean, he was great at Wake, but you also had that, I'll suck everybody in for four seconds and then pull it out. Yeah, slow mash plus a couple of NFL wide receivers that I'm not sure he has at Notre Dame. Yeah, and so I'm interested to see where that goes. J.J. McCord is still learning, um, but he also wasn't as much of a deep threat in that in this game. These two teams tried to lean on, tried to play, be balanced, but short to medium, medium passes and and the run game. Um, I think it was an it was an interesting game. I don't think I learned a lot from either team, to be honest. Like, I don't know who these teams are. I didn't come out and be like. That's a team that's hella good. Like Ohio State's ranked three in some in, on some polls and stuff like that, and as high as gotten some first place votes. Like I get you beat Notre Dame. I thought Notre Dame was a good team, but now I'm watching it. I'm like, mm, we'll see when they start playing real teams. Uh, Notre Dame's got to play. We'll see. Play Duke, which Duke. is a good team. Duke's got wins every single win by over twenty points. So we'll see. I think they have a really good quarterback, Riley Leonard. In there, who I think I might take over Sam Hartman, to be quite honest, if I was going to pick a quarterback. Um, so I'm interested to see how that goes. And then Ohio State, you don't really have any games until you face Penn State and and Michigan. And those three are starting to get a lot closer looking and could beating wound up beating each other round robin a little bit more than I thought they were. I thought there was a, a tier. I'm not sure there is. We'll see. I'm excited to see that, yeah, the, those three alternate games. I think that's all in the month of November, right? Yeah, I think so. Ooh, high stakes. Love it. Yep. Yeah, I for me, the Notre Dame game down the line that I was intrigued by by this game because of their continued, rel- no, I shouldn't say reliance on the run because I think they want to base their offense there, but inability to throw the ball downfield is the Clemson game. Uh, having watched Clemson, and now Florida State's rush offense is just dreadful at the moment, so it's not saying too much that they stopped them, but 22 yards on the ground is, is abysmal, and the strength of that uh, it's a very good Clemson defense. So the strength of that defense is at D tackle with Tyler Davis and with the linebacker play uh, of Trotter and oh, I'm forgetting the Barrett Carter. Um, they've got nasty defense in that spot and they are willing to put their cornerbacks on islands today against Florida state. I think that's a matchup that bodes very poorly for Notre Dame. Now, of course, Clemson's got a score and they've had some struggles already this year doing that. And there's been, difficulty but uh i i'm kind of in the same boat as Corey, where i feel like i didn't find out as much as i thought i would in, in this game uh i will say this was one of the more exciting endings of the of the uh the week just from the intentional grounding to the oh my gosh they got down to the one yard line or the two yard line i can't remember quite where Buka was but like as soon as they did intentional grounding i'm like that's you know it's not a wrap but like the odds of them getting in the end zone right now i, I think are really low and then right on in there they get the get to it rush the line clock it and and get in the end zone but then you don't have an 11th man there and you go if there was an 11th man like it wasn't like there was a huge gaping hole like i'm not sure if they would have got in reasonably so it's it still doesn't teach me as much as i would like to know i would have liked to have watched them play 11 v 11 on that down you know regardless if they had 11 i like the run call because in reality it's gonna the game's gonna end anyway you might as well make yourself have either option and i don't know if Notre Dame was expecting a run to be honest 
Yeah. yeah it, well, previously you had a fourth and one where you you weren't willing to. You know, you went a different yeah, way with it. Yeah. So. Yeah, just jumping in real quick. I, I that part I I gotta give genius coaching by Ryan Day in terms of like okay, seven seconds left. We can throw one and then we can do whatever on that last one. We can keep them guessing. Uh, love that. It's really interesting. Like I, I've just. Brian's more into it than I have, but I've started to pick up chess, and it's just funny how like the history of the game, like, kind of can tell you like, how how to play things in certain situations. I feel like that was a watershed moment for football in terms of late game management on the goal line. So really interesting. I also thought before they clocked it, I thought they were going to fake spike. I really did. I was like, oh, this is a perfect time to fake spike this thing. Fake spike, slant to Marvin Harrison, touchdown. Let's go home. Uh, they didn't, but. I, that was like in my head. I was like, Notre Dame better be on alert for it. Um, but yeah, that was really kind of cool to just be like, okay, seven seconds left. I can get two plays if I don't run the first time. If it's an incomplete or I throw it, I get a second chance. And then, and then the second one is is a is kind of a wild card because they have to they can't cheat against the pass. So it's really kind of good to know in the future. Like, all right, if someone's down there with that limited time, I could see something similar like that playing out. Yeah. I'll give a you know quick shout out Kyle McCord for it's hard to bounce back from plays with like the intentional grounding. He had to get the ball out, but also you realize you put yourself at really long odds for converting at that point and going straight from that to the play with the boot was uh, really really critical. So uh, Im- impressive there, and Ohio State gets the biggest win of their season so far, and uh, like you said, not going to be tested much throughout except for those Penn State and Michigan games that we have. Uh, we'll move on to another ranked matchup, and we'll stay in the ranked stuff as uh, long as we can here, but keep things rolling along. Alabama versus Ole Miss. Alabama takes care of business, wins 24-10 against the Rebels. Uh, Corey, any thoughts or insights on that one? Um, in reality, this Ole Miss team is probably not nearly as good as I thought they were. Um, they look they look good. They put on points against not good teams, but basically Alabama said, go ahead, Jackson Dart, beat us. We're going to shut down your run. They rushed for 56 yards in the game. Go ahead, Jackson beat us. And Jackson went for, you know, 20 for 35, 244 yards. Well, that's only seven yards an attempt, and he threw an interception. He wasn't – he didn't pick this team apart like he needed to in order to have, be successful. And so this is going to be the Bama team you see for the rest of the year. Defense, run the ball, which they didn't do super effective. I mean, I think they only had 2.9 yards of carry or something like that. But then Milro with deep shots and players that can get underneath them. And if – Milro does it enough times, and they have enough options. They'll beat most of the teams that they play. Um, I don't, I don't know if this is a, if that's a good team, but it's a winning formula, and they're gonna, it'll, they'll, they'll be competing for the West because the West is wide open. All teams look kind of meh on there. So. And by the West, yeah. I mean SEC West. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. Uh, Steve, anything to add with uh, Alabama Ole Miss? I didn't get eyes on the game, so I think Corey summarized it pretty well. I just agree. Like, first, it's funny. Like, from one week to the next, we were like, LSU's got to be a favorite in the West. And now now I'm not so certain. Like, <laughs> I, I thought they were going to run over Arkansas. I know that they're – is that on this list? It's not. So, yeah, we're not really covering that game. But just, like, that was an interesting one that was much closer than I anticipated. But – with some of these results that we're seeing in the SEC West, I, I really am not sure what the packing order is, so we're going to have to figure it out. Let's touch on that game real quick. I think Arkansas sure. exposed a little bit of LSU right there. In addition to what Florida State did, that their defensive backs are not good. And if you have 
a quarterback that can throw okay, you've got a shot against them. I mean, they ran for like a hundred something yards, but and to kind of make it semi balanced. But the way they the places they picked apart was in the passing game, um, and that defensive back group is not going to get any better this year. No, I don't think there's any any hope. That, you know, I think it only gets worse potentially because health you have to maintain. You know, and if they had guys on the bench who they liked, they would be using them. <laughs> so I, yeah. I I think if you've got the wide receivers, you've got the quarterback to go after them. And I think KJ Jefferson's a pretty decent quarterback. You have a shot uh, at the very least to to upset. Where are they? Number twelve now? Number twelve team in the country? I I do think. This is going back to Alabama will miss a bit, but I, the ability of these SEC teams to go one loss and stay ranked is unbelievable to me. Um, I, I thought Tennessee was an odd one that stayed ranked because uh, that was, to me, clear anchoring bias. We hadn't seen them play anyone, then they get beat by Florida pretty easily. Um, and this was a, a similar one where it was just like, okay, but what what makes you think they are a top 20 team? Like, what about that game was enough to impress you that Oh, that Alabama team that won 17-3, and I get that's without Milrow, uh, against USF, uh, and who lost to Texas is, I don't know, needed some Herculean effort effort to beat Ole Miss. Um, I don't know. To me, I think we'll see Ole Miss slide again. I think they've got LSU next week, and we'll see what happens there. I have not held a high opinion of them. They haven't been able to get Quinshawn Judkins going yet this year. And he was the basis of everything that they did last year. And I don't, I'm not a Jackson Dart believer. So um, we'll see. Uh, We're going to keep things rolling with Colorado, Oregon. Coach prime gets his first loss was one that the odds all had uh, for Oregon to win. And Dan Lanning did a lot of shooting his mouth off before the game. So really needed to, to back up and make a statement. Uh, and kind of went how I think most people anticipated this matchup would go. Uh, Steve, do you want to take us through that one? Uh, yeah, I, I I didn't see a down of it. Uh, I guess I saw a couple of uh, couple of replays, but that game got out of hand pretty quickly, and it just became pretty apparent that you know the lines of scrimmage matter in the game of football. That part we all knew. But we, we kind of talked about you know. Colorado spring game where they went to the seven on seven portion that maybe was a little bit of a red flag, but they didn't feel very good about their offensive or defensive lines. And uh, I think for good reason, and this is one of those things that it's interesting seeing and reading some of the takes on, on it. Cause I think there's craziness on both sides, right? Like lots of people are right now trying to dunk on Dion, which I, I think we've all agreed. Like, look, he's way ahead of schedule. He's way ahead of where I thought he would be. So I tip my cap to him there. Um, now, when we, you know, parting shots are parting shots, so don't worry. I got a couple in the, couple in, in the in the holster here. But uh, I, I, two things can be true at the same time, right? Like they got blasted, right? Like that's that's not hating to say like that team got buried. Um, and, and that's one of the things where it's like, okay, if you have this media lightning rod who who's going to attract lots of eyeballs big motivator for the other team like hey you could show out on national television and in front of the entire world make a name for yourself if you go and 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 do what you're supposed to do against this team and so yeah i think they're gonna get everyone's best shot for the next little bit like because everyone's talking about them who doesn't want to announce their themselves as as someone to be uh considered as as top entertainment so 
I just wonder what that ends up looking like for the rest of the year. I still think Colorado, I mean, they've got three or four games. I still feel like they can win. So I, I am not selling them on a bowl team because they lost to Oregon because I expected them to lose to Oregon. Uh, the amount that by which they lost to Oregon was a little surprising. But again, it, it, football can be a simple game at times where it's like, if you can't block us and, and you can't get past us when we're trying to block you, the game's basically over. Like, if if you're not competent at at some level, it ends up being pretty simple. So, I I don't know. It's just it's surprising. I, I I kind of as far as like Dan Lanning's comments, like both eat it up, but also I'm like it, it kind of feels like like the game's sort of morphing into like like the UFC has started to do, where there's all this sort of manufactured rivalries and uh it, it makes for good storylines and I, I usually am a pretty good storylines guy but also i'm kind of like i'm i'm here to watch the you know these teams or in in the case of usc like these two fighters set you know like settle out who's better right like not i don't care for the grudge match necessarily so much as it's like i want to see who's actually better and i want to see them compete at a high level so I, i'm kind of here for it and kind of also like this feels a little made for tv so um yeah, it's just one of those things that I think is, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. I'm still kind of sorting, sorting it out. But um, I know that in the past, like, coaches would be like, you know what, we don't pay attention to any of the media or all that stuff. It feels like every coach right now is just gobbling up anything that says, like, oh, we can't do this or we can't do that. or And so it feels a little manufactured to me, and I think it will get tired for me. I don't know about for the two of you. Um, but I, I think at some point, like you, know, you can only play the disrespect card so many times before it's just like very stale. So, um, yeah, I'll be honest. I did not expect, um, Colorado to lose by 21. I thought they might be able to do a little bit of, you know, they, we've seen them pick apart teams and, and be successful. The one thing that we didn't, I didn't count on specifically is Colorado was able to get, or sorry, Oregon was able to get pressure without having to blitz. And yeah. every other game we watched, they haven't been really able to get pressure. Shadour's been able to kind of get outside and and forces the team to play them man on man because in order to get enough pressure on him, they have to blitz. And so he's able to find his 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 uh, athletes in space. In this one, it's like you got four and or you got four and five in the front, and then you have potentially four or five receivers against seven defensive backs slash linebackers. It's a losing formula. And, and we talked last week about Shitter holding the ball, too. Yeah, I we think did. we saw and that a couple times. What, seven game. sacks in this game? I can't remember the number off the top of my head. But it yep. wasn't good. Um, and I so I, like, I watched this game. You literally had to watch the first, like, three, four drives, and you're like, oh, Colorado just does whatever they want in this game. And it's it's, it's going to be it's gonna be hard. Like, Or, sorry, Oregon does whatever they want in this game. It's yeah. not a chance for Colorado. The one thing is Bonix does throw an interception in those first three or four drives, and you're like, oh, what the heck? That's his first turnover of the year. But Bonix is looking like the Bonix that we, we saw last year. He's they're, they're throttling teams. That, that you, and that makes this that Texas Tech game even harder to kind of fathom, like what happened there a little bit. Um, but some halftime stats, because the game kind of ended at halftime. It was 35 nothing at halftime, and then both teams kind of like decided to put it on ice. Score, 35 to nothing. Yards per team, 378 for Oregon. Take a guess how many for Colorado. I think I saw this stat, so I'll let Brian guess. 21. 28. 21. <laughs> Gosh. 
you have 22 first downs, four first downs. You have 47 plays and 24 plays. You have a time of possession of 20 minutes and nine minutes. It's like 20, 48, and then nine, 12. Like it's, it's unreal how much they just dominated that first half. And then if you watch the interview by uh, Coach Dan Landing, he's like, all you guys who tuned in for Colorado, I hope you stay in for the second half. Didn't back, he didn't back that up, but like – I, I think most people turned it off. I would love to see the numbers because halftime, I was like, Psh, not interested. That game's over. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah. move on to the next one. Like, so I'd be interested but to it, see, but like this Oregon team is good. The Colorado team, I think, do think still makes a bowl. I'm interested to see how much this Travis Hunter injury hurts them because it doesn't sound like he's going to be playing against USC. I, I thought that was a game you could potentially win there because it doesn't seem like I'd be interested to see if they can get the pressure that they needed. Um, I mean, after what we saw that they did against Arizona State, like this team's been floating a little bit with disaster on some teams. So Colorado State or Colorado could could pose a pose a an issue to USC. I don't think they can without Travis Hunter. It's crazy when you think of like one player pulled out affects both sides of the ball because he plays both sides of the ball. When normally one player only affects one side of the ball, he makes him better so much better on both sides because you have somebody that's arguably if if you're looking at recruiting ranking recruiting rankings the number one defensive player or the number one offensive player potentially to go to the NFL. Like that's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's incredible to see like the impact of that, but also for me, this was just like the part of the season where it's like, okay, this is what I kind of expected from the beginning from Colorado. And they proved in the first three games, like they're better than what my expectations were, but they're not jumping into competing in the PAC 12. Um, and that said, they won't compete in the Pac-12 next year anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, but what really how stuck many, out... How many people are, are at the, the Southern Cal game? This, it's a home game after getting dunked on by Oregon. Do you still have a packed house? I think so. You don't think so? You don't think so? I think there'll be some empty seats. I don't know. I, I mean, probably like 85%. I know it's sold out. I think, it, I think every game this year is sold out, but... I, I'm not sure every single one of those seats is actually filled. I mean, I might go to see Caleb Williams if I was in college. It's the one thing with the, with all the talk that surprises me is that big coaches are doing it. You know, like to me, like I I wasn't on the pod last week, but like Jay Norvell talking makes a lot of sense to me. Why? Because number one, I know Jay Norvell's name now, right? I didn't know that before. And number two, he almost got him. So if he got him and he had talked some trash beforehand, I'd remember him for a lot longer as well. Like I, I feel like at first when he did it, I was like, "That's stupid! Don't poke the bear! Don't piss him off!" And then as that game progressed, I was like, "That was a good move. That was a good career move for Jane Norvell." Um, and of course, it doesn't end up shaking out. They, you know, Colorado pulls out the win. But seeing Matt Rule doing it, seeing Dan Lanning do it, win or lose, because we see both. I don't think it's a very good look. Like I think well, you Ryan seem Day salty for no reason. Against Notre Dame. What was that? Ryan Day did the same thing. He popped his mouth off at Lou Holtz um, after the game, saying we're we're tough. Blah 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 blah. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't. I just don't see see the value in it for anybody who's kind of in a situation punching down um, or punching at a, a, somebody who you don't have as an opponent, which would be the, the Lou Holtz situation. It's like, you don't have to prove any reporters wrong. Like who cares? Um, or analysts or legends. I, I don't know what Lou Holtz is doing career wise right now, but certainly a legend of the game. Uh, Steve, game. I cut you off for just a second. Was there anything you wanted to add on that game? No, that was, that was it. Just uh, I, the only thing I would say is Jane Arvell was like the wide receivers coach for, Oklahoma and for Texas for a while. So 
the the hardcores have known him for some time. Sure, um, but he's new to me. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if that's all on that one, we'll keep things rolling. Uh, a really, really exciting matchup. Corey was going to tell us all about it. Utah versus UCLA. The Utes get the win. <laughs> Sorry, that was an ugly game. Utah has won, managed to win games without their starting quarterback. They've done a great job. Their defense is solid. They took, they kind of got into um, UCLA's quarterback's head really, really early. The first pass is a pick six, and he kind of doesn't see himself for the rest of the game. And but ugh, I had the cor- I had that four screen going on. That thing going on the right. That thing quickly went out of my screen. I was like, forget that. I need something else. This is this is terrible. Um, and I'm glad I did because 14 to seven. It's a typical Utah game right now. But we like the fact that Utah has gone undefeated. You don't have your starter. Your defense is and and you have all these people other all these other starters that are out like Kyle Whittingham doing Kyle Whittingham things winning with Utah. We're not talking about Utah being one of the best teams potentially in, in the Pac-12. Does he do they win again? <laughs> I I mean they I don't think we've seen sort of like, you know, they're kind of in like the the probably the the Charmander state of of the program still because you've got a lot of defensive starters that could potentially return. You you talked about some of the the people that are out with injuries, so I don't know. I, I think they can – I don't know if there's a Charizard in there, but there's definitely a Charmeleon. Um, and, and, uh, and I don't think we've seen it yet. All you people do not care about Pokemon. <laughs> if, if you don't, you're probably not listening. That's <laughs> probably the truth. At least to get that reference. That's about as – I'm just saying, like, there's there's better versions of Utah that I think we will see down the line. And there there will need to be. The, the schedule gets tougher. So – um, including a quick turnaround this week against Oregon State. Uh, Is that at home or away? It, it's on the road. It's in Corvallis. So they're getting them back, uh, and, and they're trying to get right after, uh, you know, after a, a pretty close fought game with what with Washington State. I say close fought. They had to score twenty one in the last quarter to make it look like that. But um, anyway, yeah, I, I don't have a ton to add on that game. Just Utah is doing what they have to do, winning with their third string QB. Fourth yeah. string, I guess. My, my opinion is raising of them every every game, uh, and the reason is that you don't have Cam Rising, you don't have Brant Keithy, and you're missing people on the defense, and the defense is just ferocious at the moment. No, nobody can establish a run, nobody can get things going. Dante Moore's, you know, having to have the game put on his shoulders because nothing's going on the ground, and that's not a place that you should be putting a, a true freshman quarterback if you want to succeed at also, that level. If you into Chip Kelly's record against Utah, it is not good. Like, I think they're like one in three against Utah since he's been at UCLA. And they, I don't think he's ever won at, UC, at, at Salt Lake with UCLA. Now, Oregon, I don't remember what his record was at Oregon, but it's he seems to struggle with Kyle Whittingham. Kyle Whittingham seems to have his number a little bit. I don't know if he played – was Utah in the Pac-12 at that point? Probably for a couple of years. It yeah, would, yeah, it would have been a couple of years. 2011 was the first time they were there. So, yeah, I'll have to look at that. I know that they won last year. UCLA won last year. They won going away. Ran all over uh, Utah. But you're right. I think there's there's probably a little bit more history there. All right. With that, we'll, we'll keep things rolling. Another ranked matchup we had. Is this a ranked matchup? Penn State-Iowa. Was Iowa ranked this last week? Yes. Okay. I, I had that in my head. Um not a super impressive showing for the Hawkeyes. You had 
10 possessions. Eight of them went for three and outs or fewer plays. Your longest drive went for seven plays total, uh, and that includes one of them being a punt. Honestly, like, their defense played well this game. Like, it was just a 31-0 shutout, but Iowa's defense played pretty decent. They were just back on the field 10 seconds later all the time. I, I think there was something like 33 total plays that their offense run, ran over the course of the whole game. Uh, so I, I give just a little preview there. Uh, Corey or Steve, I don't know which one of you wants to jump in or, or add your two cents on this uh, new ferocious Iowa offense that was – touted last week as a 41 point scorer um but yeah any any thoughts insights brian friends is gonna get fired at the end of this year whether he wants it to or not i'm sorry that's just gonna happen they're not gonna average 25 points a game they've clearly shown ineptitude um granted penn state has a good defense but like like this they aren't any better they've added better tools and they aren't better it's almost like steven's friend that was trying to scratch up plays but you know behind the on the wall trying to figure out what to do that's what Brian essentially seems like he's doing. Honestly, he doesn't seem like he should be the offensive coordinator. I think you guys, I think Steve would do just as good a job as an offensive coordinator over there, to be frank. Oh, yikes. I don't know. I'd be like the Coach Klein on the sideline of the water boy with like the, the book that's like the complete idiot's guide to college football <laughs> coaching. And you that still managed be... to score zero points against Penn State. So you'd be just as good. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's that's true. Like I could have done as much as he did in that game. That's, that's all true. Ah, boy. Uh, anything else to take away from this game? Honestly, like I feel like this one's kind of straightforward. You said you mentioned thirty-three plays. Penn State ran ninety-seven. Yeah, I mean that's the difference. If you can sustain a drive, you you might I don't know accidentally score. You might put up a fight in the game, and there's just a a distance between this offense and other offenses that. They're, you know, they're going to need a new coach and maybe maybe some personnel changes, um, personnel on the team to to fix because it's it's in a terrible place. And it's I don't I don't know if it's been worse. Um, Washington, Oregon State. Here is Corey for you, the upset of the week. Uh, Washington State. Oh, Cam Ward has an excellent game to to win this one. DJU not as hot, uh, despite the fact that that run game was still going really well for Oregon State, which they honestly have done really well all season. But still, this one just comes down to to a field goal. It's a 38-35 game. Steve, do you want to give us a little insight on that one? Yeah. Um, this, so this one was, uh, again, one of the games I was watching in the, the late window. And, man, Cam Ward, I, I feel like I was just a year early on him last year <laughs> again. You were bullish <laughs> on him. I was, and, and I was – right and wrong at the same time and that's a fun team to watch that team is motivated i think again you want to talk about like people playing the disrespect card jake dickert has been one of those people who's really passionate about and disrespect you know i don't know if he even used that word but just kind of said some stuff around he's passionate about them being included in college football's future at the highest level and i don't blame him for that one bit right i don't hold that against him i actually agree with him wholeheartedly that team's fun to watch they play with a lot of passion and yeah you know they beat a good team right oregon state's a good team and and to me yeah cam ward is a guy that just makes plays he he is athletic but he scrambles to throw and and honestly sometimes i think he just scrambles just to get the defense a little bit shook about he might run like just give them that 
you know, fractions of a second pause and it opens up windows for him to take advantage of. I, yeah, really like what they're doing. I think that's a tough place to play too when it's ignited. You, you've seen that in past eras with Mike Leach when he was there. Um, you, you've got that whole city of Pullman. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see how the rest of the Pac-12 season shakes out. For me, I think they're far and away the best conference this year as far as depth goes. Um, and I, I'm close to saying it on the top end, too, because Oregon looks great. Washington just keeps just keeps murdering teams uh, ruthlessly. And, and, and SC is kind of one that's they're still trying to figure themselves out, but they have all the talent in the world. So that, that was a, a fun game, kind of like I mentioned all last week, I, I kind of wished that these two teams maybe met a little bit later in the season because I don't want to take the shine off of either of what they've accomplished, both kind of heading into this year. Um, you know, this is one that I was pleased to see. You mentioned, you know, the inertia of, of SEC teams where they get ranked and it's just very hard to unrank them for whatever reason. Um, but I'm pleased to see that Oregon State is still ranked after that game. I, I kind of expected them to fall out of the rankings and have to battle their way back into it. Um, but yeah, I think that that that's a game where I'm not ready to pull a plug on DJU, but like, you know, like this is what, you know, a system that I felt like was tailor made for him. And, you know, he still continues to struggle to a certain degree. Um, and, and they apparently really like the Aiden Childs true freshman they have waiting in the wings. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I'd be interested to see when he maybe makes an appearance. I'm not necessarily calling for, for DJU's job so much as it's can Aiden Childs give you a spark in a game where DJU's struggling. And this one, I thought you had an opportunity to potentially see that because you're, again, at one point down, what, 17 points? Or down, perhaps even more, maybe you're down 21. And, you know, you're out nothing there to say, like, hey, look, we're going to give the other guy a chance and i don't think you necessarily risk dj going into the tank about that he's been pulled before like he, it's not his first rodeo so i'm not calling for his job i'll just interesting to monitor that going forward because there may be some opportunity for another guy to give them a spark when when dju's having an off night which is not super uncommon i mean he was having an off night they were down 35 14 but then he rolls off you know, 75 yards touchdown, 90, 75 yard touchdown, 98 yard touchdown, and you don't see the ball. So he scored in the last three times they had the ball, just didn't have enough time to continue pushing, pushing the game. Now, how much time was spent on those drives, though? Um, you, let's see, 75 yards was at 601. Uh, the next one was nine plays, 75 yards, 254. And the next one was 13 plays, 98 yards, 246. Okay, so the, the, the last two are a little bit quicker, but I think. Some of that was just Washington State thinking, okay, we've got the game in the bag. Yeah. That is, to me, the question is, if you like this freshman so much, what point... I think you're right. I think there's like a point of no return with DJU because he's been through this. And so you don't want to lose him altogether. And so if you try the other guy, you risk that. And that's that's kind of where you don't want to sink the season looking at what is potentially better for the season, but almost certainly better for the future of your program. Um, on the other side of things, uh, Cam Ward is 
if he continues this against bigger, and when I say bigger teams, I mean bigger brand teams, he's going to propel himself into the Heisman conversation. He's played really, really well this season. He's got 13 touchdowns uh, through the air, three on the ground, no interceptions on the season still, so he's taking care of things uh, as far as you know, not giving away games. You think an interception in this game, this ended up being a three-point game. That might lose you the game, you know, and, and he's doing everything that he needs to do to have this team compete. Uh, really impressed. I, I didn't have Washington State performing at this level um, at this point in the season uh, or at any point in the no, season. No, me so, neither. Uh, really impressed and, and have a renewed excitement to, to watch more of their games throughout the, the rest of this Pac-12 stretch. Uh, moving outside of our top 25 games, we have Florida State Clemson uh, that we've already touched on just briefly. Uh, I had it in stadium, but also that means I had a lot of reviews that you don't get to see um, because either it's a Florida State good play or somebody's moving uh, quicker than they're able to do on the Jumbotron. So Clemson, when they have a first down, they're somebody who likes to go quick up to the line, hurry up for the next first down. Um, so, so you miss... If you didn't catch it the first time, you or a detail the first time, you miss it after. Uh, I want to get y'all's insights on kind of that game and, and what are the deciding factors in it. So upon rewatch of that game, so I watched it like I showed up about third quarter because I had missed a lot of the game, um, help moving, and so I like kind of finished it up and caught up, and then I rewatched the game. I felt like we didn't like the first time I rewatched it. I'm like, dude, we just played terrible. Watching the second one, I'm like. We didn't play terrible. We we struggled to get the run game going, but like, I wasn't like, oh, this team's like absolutely awful. It, it, it felt like our defense wasn't was uh, our defensive line was doing a really good job, and Klubnik was kind of picking apart our our, our secondary a little bit. They're playing a little bit more soft, saying beat us, and he was beating them. And so, because of that, they switched to a, a blitz in the second half and put pressure on Klubnik, and Klubnik wasn't able to 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 pick them apart as much. There was one drive where he goes down and has some pretty good plays and they skid out and score. But that rush, that rushing up and speeding up the game um, kind of threw him for a loop a little bit. And it was interesting. I think the blitzing rate went from like 10% in the first half to 40% of the plays in the second half. Um, and, and eventually led to the, the play that changed the game. The other thing that kind of hit me is that there are so many little plays in this game that could have gone one way or the other. And it's the same way with like, um, with Notre Dame, when you have teams that are in, in Ohio State, when you have teams that are pretty equally matched, one play can really affect the game. One missed field goal, one missed blocking assignment. Um, the running back for Clemson um, is supposed to go out and pick up the block of the delayed blitz from Florida State's linebacker. He looks both right and left and doesn't see him on the far right. And then he goes out and releases. And the Kalen Deloach on that delayed blitz comes and just destroys um, and I, I know uh, the the announcers make a, a, a big stink about number fifty five or Braden Fist not kick, picking up the ball and being glad Deloach picked it up, but he was one yard behind him going in the end zone. Just FYI, it's not like Deloach was burning this defensive tackle. This is the same defensive tackle that races Mike Norville every day after practice or before practice. So just for record for everybody else. Um, but yeah, there's just like. I, I, went, I didn't feel like Florida State played as badly as I thought. I think Clemson is, honestly, if I'm doing my power ratings, a top 15 team. You're looking at two fluky, fluky, fluky losses. Like, if you go back through Clemson with 200 yards, uh, Clemson's loss against Duke, they had 200 yards rushing, 200 yards passing. 
they had never lost a game with that kind of like at the uh, for a long long period of time with that type of yardage again you go back to this game they're up by 10 points multiple times against florida state they've never they've lost they were like 83 and one or 82 and one when leading by 10 points at all in a game and all of a sudden now they're 83 and two or 82 and two whatever the number was like these these are some fluky losses and then you got the last thing you got to point to is is points off of turnovers like Adabo in his uh in his closing uh, comments says we've had 36 points off of turnovers this year. Last year in our 14 games we had 38 points off of turnovers the entire year. Like and you look at it, Duke, they got they got destroyed by turnovers. This one game you had one turnover and it wound up being the difference in the game. Um, some just some some rough losses. The AP polls doing them seriously dirty. The coaches poll took them out of the top 25. I think they should probably be still in the top 25. My opinion. Um, this is not a team I would want to face again. And we may not have to, Florida State may not have to, as they have two losses in the ACC already. So, kind of crazy. Last thing I got, I don't know, I've been on a little rampage. Um, Joe Exotic kind of tweeting out at, <laughs> at, at Travis, uh, um, Jordan Travis. There was a comments making how he's Tiger King, and he sent out shirts that have him sitting with the LSU Tiger and a Clemson Tiger at his feet. Which is a kind of cool little idea since you did beat both teams this year, um, being priced at the price of thirty-one dollars and twenty-four cents, which is kind of funny, also because that's what you beat Clemson by. Um, but also, like just the fact that you got him involved and he's tweeting out like, "I'm going to sue Jordan Travis." So it's kind of funny. Yeah, it's great news for Jordan Travis, I'm sure. Like, I that that made me like, "Oh, he's selling shirts." Like, I, I wasn't on the radar beforehand, so uh, that got going. Steve, uh, anything you want to add? Yeah, I, I I really felt, yeah, kind of like Corey in that, I, I mean, I, again, I wouldn't call this one like a, a fluky game necessarily, but I, I the entire time, like, I was, I was watching this around a bunch of other people, like, game ends, and I was just like, FSU didn't deserve to win that game. And, and, and I still kind of feel that way. Like, I, I, there was things that they did, but, I mean, at the time of that Kalen Deloach, you know, sack, forced fumble, fumble return for a touchdown, like Clemson is going in to go up two scores and right at the end of the third. Like it, it's. It is their one ball, though, that they. It's the one deep ball that they. Or not deep ball, but big chunk play that happens the entire game happens to be right before that, too. It's not like Clemson has been driving or hitting chunk plays. You just happen to break off a random 46 yarder. And so, yeah. I mean, like, I wouldn't say, like, I felt like they were deserving to go in. You just like happened to catch them off guard on that one. Well, when I say they're they're lucky to win the game, uh, a couple things. Yeah, they're they're lucky that uh, a mistakes made in terms of the pass protection. They're also lucky that all of Cade's primary reads are to his left, which maybe isn't may, maybe isn't like a big shocker because they are on that hash right. So like usually, I mean, it depends on the. But usually playing to the close side of, uh, of the quarterback is a benefit because most quarterbacks don't have the arm to throw to the far hash because, the, the, again, the hash marks are wider in college football, so there's a really wide side of the field and a short side of the field. So, uh, But everything he's playing is, is to the boundary, and so he does not see, you know, Kalen Deloach doesn't, you know, he comes from distance. He's not, he's not right there. It takes him a minute to get there, and by a minute, I mean like three and a half seconds or something. It, it takes a while for that play to develop. Nothing's there downfield for Klubnik. And I, I, I think you were pretty fortunate that, that those things all aligned on a single play. 
And I think if you don't have a defensive score there, let's say like Braden Fist picks that up or, or let's say they just dive on it. Like number one, as an FSU fan, I got a little nervous because if you'll remember a few years back, there was a stop on the goal line where Clemson uh, fumbles. They, Florida State forces a fumble and two or three Knowles all try and pick it up to run the back the distance and score. And Clemson ends up falling on the ball. And this is just like, okay, next down. Um, and, and so I think if Florida State falls on that ball and they don't score on that play, Clemson wins the game. Like, I, I, I feel pretty confident in that. Oh, I, I agree. I think there was um, the fact that Florida State won the game, they, you should feel lucky. I mean, a 30, 30 you know, yard field goal is missed. You have this, you have, you have a blocking assignment that's missed. I, I just wasn't, I didn't feel like they got, they played as terrible as I thought it would. Now, as far as their rushing offense, that needs to be fixed, but you know, we'll see. Yeah. And that's, that's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is like, really, if, again, if you were to play out that same game a few more times with, with, you know, some of those plays outcomes in question, I mean, I, again, I, I, if I'm a Clemson fan, I'm feeling like we let Florida state off the hook and, and I, I think they're right, you know, but for a team, you know, being a fan of a team that hasn't won that game in seven years, like, Hey, I'm taking it. We're not giving it back. Like I'm, that's not me saying I'm not apologizing for winning a game that you shouldn't have won. Yeah. It's just, you know, there's, there's still some questions about Florida state going forward that need to be answered. So, yeah. But I, I mean, if you play that game again, how, how likely are you to have Jordan Travis hurt again? Or how likely are you to have him be totally inaccurate for large chunks of the game? And then all of a sudden click on again. Like there were some fortunate things for Clemson because they did put the, their players on an Island and said, Jordan beat us. And if Jordan doesn't injured, he probably does beat them to some degree. Um, also, I want to ask Brian that Kalen DeLoach play. Where are you? What do you see for in the stadium, and what happened? Yeah, take us through it. Yeah, so so I'm I'm very high up. I'm not, you know, I'm I'm probably fifteen rows down from the top of the stadium. Um, and it's it's but pretty vertical, right? It's like, it's yeah, very the steep. architecture. Um, yeah. But you also have like a lower bowl, and then a section with boxes. So like they're like in the middle, not at the top, and then an upper bowl. So I'm in the upper, um, and I'm on the thirty yard line. Uh, on the FSU sideline, which is where the 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 run back happens, so the thirty about where it happens. So I'm really close to where the fumble gets forced, um, as far as where I am. But you hear the stadium, you see Deloge coming, and we've been coming with blitzes for a lot in the second half. But that was the first one where it seemed like Klubnik is super unaware of it, and so a solid one second before Deloge is landing. Everyone in the stadium, all four state guys are yelling, get him. All of Clemson is going, get rid of it, throw it, throw it, get rid of it. Because it's just, it, it feels like it's happening in slow motion because you are you can see it and you know he has no idea because the loads just come from so far across the field. Um, and then as soon as he makes the hit, you see the bobble from Fisk. And to me, I was like, they're going to try and grab this and they're going to fumble the, like, bobble it out of bounds because it's close enough to the sideline where that seems feasible. And I was just sweating it um but as soon as he grabs it i mean every clemson fan sits down you have a perfect view there's nobody in your way and and you've got 50 yards of going to the end zone because they know nobody's stopping him uh it, it was awesome but it was also you know you were on the on the edge of i don't want to say despair but like pretty close if they're driving really well if they go up by two scores 
you're not feeling really good about her chances of coming back. That's it's, it's that late in the game. Um, so yeah, it was it was awesome to watch. the The energy was incredible, and you know, War Chant starts going in, in Death Valley. It's a it's an exciting thing. Did you guys see Cade Klubnik make a business decision at the end of that play? Like he catches up and then decides, you know what? I'm not gonna get rocked on this play because I need to be in the game for the rest in yeah. order for us to kind was, of continue I, I can playing. Try and push through a Dennis Briggs or I can maybe just just roll around and I'll just run out in front of it and act yep. get, like show that I gave effort and that I'm as fast as these guys, but I'm I'm not gonna go ahead and engage with one of Florida State's defensive linemen. Yeah. Yeah, uh, probably a smart move on his, on like, his yeah, side. I don't... Discretion is the better part of valor. <laughs> um, but I, as a fan in the in the stadium watching this game, I felt like you were in trouble with the way that the refs were allowing DBs to be physical because they allowed it on both sides. And there were a couple of calls where I was like, okay, I feel like that was allowed earlier. But for the most part, I, I think they were not great but consistent. Um, and when I saw, oh, Florida State can't get to the line of scrimmage running the ball before they get tackled, that that's a real issue. Because it's one thing if you can get those two and three yard uh, gains. You had a lot of runs for losses. And Florida State, I didn't realize as much. Uh, and I went back and looked afterwards. They do a lot of, okay, we had an incomplete pass on first down. We did a run play on second down to make it a sh- an easier third. So it would be like a third and six or a third and five or a third and seven. And you had a lot of second and twelves and second and eleven or sorry, third and 12s and third and 11s because of that strategy. You you were just getting nothing there. And so they're stopping the run almost entirely. You know, you had, I think, one 12-yard game. I think the yards contact was negative one in the game. Okay, that, yeah, so that valid. Uh, I'm glad it wasn't something that was way off from what I'm saying. Um, but, yeah, that, that that's exactly how it felt as well. So I'm watching, okay, they're playing real physical with their wide receivers, which is making completing the ball down the field tough. Not only that, Jordan's not really on its A game as far as accuracy goes. And then the run game just has nothing going on. You got to a point where, you know, you score on the first couple drives of the second half. You're like, oh, maybe they'll, they'll find a groove and they just don't. Um, and ultimately, it's one of those contested catches in overtime that gets the job done. So uh, a, a wild game and really could have gone either way. Um, Clemson will be back in the top 25. They have the schedule to do it, first of all. They've, they've got Notre Dame on there. They have uh, the Hurricanes on there, I believe. And UNC Duke, as well. Syracuse. I don't think yeah. they split NC NC State. NC State. NC State. Well, who isn't, has, hasn't been as impressive as I thought they were going to be? Um, barely squeaked out the win over Virginia this week. But they, they've got time to rebuild some resume. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what it ends up being. But... An impressive show for them. For Florida State, if you have playoff aspirations, you've got to find a way to fix your run game. Because I get that Clemson's a good defense, but 22 yards isn't acceptable uh, against anyone if you want to be that caliber of a team. So, those are really my, my final takeaways. Any additional thoughts on that one? All right, we'll keep things rolling. We're, we're past the hour mark at this point, so we may go a little bit quick. Um, USC, Arizona State. To me, this is a little more of the same. Steve? Yeah. Um, I think you've seen this a couple of times over the last several years. No one likes taking those trips out to the desert for the late game, be it Arizona, be it Arizona State, or even Texas Tech. I was going to make that comment when we talked about Oregon. We're like, what? what? We don't know what to make of that Texas Tech. I was like, crazy things happen in the desert. That's 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 really the, the end, be all and end all. 
the one thing I wanted to shout out here is like, man, Arizona State really brought it. It was fun to see them show some fight. Uh, they're down a ton of players. Uh, and Drew Pine is a tough guy. My goodness. I, I, last year, I would have said, I don't know if I said this or not, but like watching him play at Notre Dame, for whatever reason, he just felt soft. And I know that that's like the worst thing you can call a football player. Um, so I, I don't do that lightly. He just looks scared out there. Not anymore. Man, and he needed that. He needed that kind of courage. He needed that kind of grit. He got hit a ton in this game because his offensive line is pretty poor. Uh, Scadabo, their running back, love watching that guy play. They've got a jumbo tight end that was really fun to watch too. Uh, tip my cap to Arizona State, making it a game. Would love to see them bring that effort every single game here on out. That's really all I had to say about that one. Caleb Williams did some Caleb Williams things when just running around making some awesome plays. Um, not the best showing for them. Uh, we'll see what, what it looks like against Colorado next week. Corey, anything to add on that one? I'm just hearing Kelly Dillingham talking when they're asking him about injured players. He's like, play to win the game. Like, uh, I don't know if you guys saw that where you're just talking about like, no, I didn't show up no. and play. If I didn't, wasn't trying to win, if I didn't think I could win, blah, 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 blah. kind of reminiscent of, uh, the coach that was ahead of him. You're like, you know, little... See, sounds familiar. Just you a little play scared, to like, win the game. I know, but he's like, he's like, if I wouldn't play the game if I didn't think I was going to win or if I didn't think I had a shot at winning. So, and he's pretty passionate. This, if you had to bet against Kenny Dillingham in a wall, I think I'd probably pick Kenny Dillingham. He he wants to be here in Arizona State. He wants to be successful here. And he's going to find a way to make it happen whether they want it to or not. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, I, and I, think... I was watching that with, sorry, real, real quick. I, I was watching that with a bunch of people that, you know, are, are not super passionate college football fans. They're like, why do you like watching this? And I was like, look at this game right here. This is a packed stadium with a team that's not any good. And they're playing one of the better teams in the country. Like the consensus, you know, they're, they're ranked fifth, or at least at the time had five next to their name. And they're, they're, they're brawling with them. They are going toe to toe and they are giving an awesome effort. And it's that kind of passion that I think is just awesome. Seeing a team, be better than the sum of its parts because they're unified and they're motivated and, and they're just willing to put it all on the line. And they did and they lost, but that to me doesn't take away from the effort. So that was a really fun game to watch. And I tip my cap to the Sun Devils. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out Arizona state and you know, kind of the, the cracks that we've seen for USC rear their head a little bit and we'll see, can, can this offense go ahead and outscore as it needs to? Cause right now the defense still doesn't quite do what, I think he should be, you know, I think with the caliber of players and with the ability to bring in probably just about any coach you want, you know, obviously there's, there's some exceptions to that. You've, you've got to be doing better there. Um, we'll keep things moving. Oklahoma struggles with Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati goes 0-1 for their first game in the Big 12. A couple troubling weeks for Oklahoma. I don't know if we have much to, to go on to this one. I didn't get much uh, eyes on this game, kind of following it. As I'm driving, yes, yeah, so I'm going to disagree I, with you. I, I mean, I, they it was closer than we probably would have liked, but that's right along the line that Vegas had. And honestly, this I've gone through a bunch of analytics. There's a guy I follow who's really, really, really high on on Oklahoma. I'm interested to see how Oklahoma does when they start playing teams. I mean, so far the team their defense has let up 34 points in four games. You're looking at eight and a half points a game, and we're seeing teams that play trash teams that still let those teams score more in towards the end. Um, so, and 
of those 34 points, 17 were against Tulsa, where you already were kind of blowing them out. You beat them 66 to, like, 17 or something like that. So, like, yeah, the Cincinnati team, though, probably could be, still be a good team. We'll, Steven and I will go figure this out a little bit more this week because we're both going to be a BYU-Cincinnati game. Um, but I think this Oklahoma game, Oklahoma team is not giving being given enough credit from the outside perspective. And it's partially because they haven't had an opportunity to prove themselves. And they will again this week. They'll play Iowa State, I think. And the next time, the next game that they'll be able to prove themselves is Texas. And I expect that to be a closer game than people expect it to be. And now I think Texas's defense is going to give Oklahoma's offense a little bit more of a harder time. But I think Oklahoma's defense will hold Texas into, into a, make this a reasonable game. So I'm excited to see where that goes. Awesome. And yeah, I... These are teams that we're going to find out a lot more about real quick. Um, so we won't have to wait long to figure out what they're about. And I- I'm one who has Oklahoma on my win totals draft team. So I'm really hoping uh, hoping you're right. And-, and the gentleman who you're listening to on, on the stats is right as well. Um, keeping things moving along, UF beat Charlotte 22-7. to uh, Notable thing for me here is five field goals from UF, four of which were from 36 yards or fewer. Um, a lot of 23-yard field goals in this one. Just need to finish a little bit better. Um, they ultimately had, you know, that means you had six scoring drives, so they're doing decently well. They're moving the ball. They just got to finish uh, when they get close to the the end zone. Uh, any additional thoughts from either of you on that one? Cool. Big, big fifth pogey fan. You seen him wear, like, the sleeveless shirt as, on the sidelines? Mm-mm. Oh, no. I'll have to send here. I'll, let me send you the link real quick. If, if that you guy ever follow co- college football final, uh, or like that thing, they'll do the have a dollar segment, and he's one of the people fe- featured in the, when they're setting up the thing in have a dollar. He's like, no one should wear college sleeves that big. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I, he's a. I, I'd go. I'd go play for him. Let's let's just put it that way. Um, and they've been competitive. I mean, they're one and three, but. They've been one of the more competitive one in three teams. Yeah, uh, they're up this year. Nothing on Maryland. A few yeah. other teams. And and yeah, they lose by I think seven to Georgia State, who's off to an awesome start this year. So, um, don't don't, don't sleep on Charlotte. Um, I know you may not know the name as much, but they they are performing pretty decent, uh, even with uh, a poor record right now. Texas A&M gets the win over Auburn pretty comfortably, twenty-seven to ten. Uh, one thing that was of note, at least to Corey, was the quarterback who was leading that charge. Yeah, it's Max Johnson. Uh, Connor Wigman gets hurt in the game. Max Johnson comes in. The, the offense starts to move. Uh, he, I think he throws for 200-something yards and, and two touchdowns. And you're like, his his yards per attempt is significantly more than, uh, than Connor Wigman's. I'm pulling up the stuff right now. Uh, I had it up at one point in time, but let me see. Oh. It makes for great airtime. Uh, yeah, seven, no. sorry. So he's seven for eleven for one hundred twenty-three yards. But if you look at the average, he averages eleven point two yards per attempt, whereas Connor was at five point zero. Um, so his QBR is up at ninety-six percent. Ninety-six compared to Connor's twenty-six point five. That QBR is a weird stat. At the same time, like you won the game with him, you lo- you move the ball with him. You start him next week. Oh. I always liked him. He's he, he's a gritty player. Like he's I think, a lefty. I think it's fun players, to watch. Yeah, I think I think players also rally around him just because he's a tough dude. But uh, I I don't know if there is a quarterback controversy. It'd be interesting to follow going forward. Yeah, it's certainly a good performance from him makes the leash on Wegman 
a lot shorter. You know, if you go into a game, yeah. you throw a pick, you drop a snap. Now the fans are starting to think, uh, we might be better off Johnson's in there. You know, something, something like that happens and that can amp up the pressure. So Wegman goes back performing. No problem. Um, if he starts to, you know, have a, a bad game in the next one they have up that can, that can start to, I, I don't, you know, I don't think they'd outright start Johnson next game, but it can, this definitely bodes well for him for the, the course of the season. Uh, BYU Kansas, not a game that I got to see much of, but I know Steve was was tuned in on this one. Any thoughts? Yeah, uh, two defensive touchdowns changed this game big time. I feel like, um, yeah, that's that's really kind of the name of the game. Uh, in BYU's first possession, or Kansas starts with the ball. I think that's a five and out or something like that. You know, they get I think one first down, then a, a punt. You on your first play from scrimmage run an end around and he gets blasted. He fumbles and Kobe Jones. Is that his last Kobe name? Bryant. It's Kobe Bryant. That's right. I, like, I, that's right. We were, cause we were talking about like, if, Oh, is he named after Kobe Bryant or they had to have known, right? Like just with his age, like Kobe Bryant was already a, a sensation. Um, he has a huge game. He ends up also having an interception on the game, but not one that was returned for a touchdown, but someone else had a pick six. That was the name of the game for me. It was just, you gave them 14 points. They, when you score 14 points on defense, odds are you're probably going to win the game, unless you're Iowa. And uh, so I don't think you got what you needed from, from BYU to really give yourself a chance in that game. Jalen Daniels is, is a pretty talented quarterback, but I think you kind of exposed some of the recipe to beat him. Like when you can force him, he's a really has a good passer, like or a good completion percentage. But a lot of his passes, like, at least against BYU, were not like super far downfield. It's when they got the running game going and established his legs that the triple option game that they do again they don't run like the true triple option, but they'll they'll do uh, lots of runs where there, there's either a pitch option or a, like a you know a, an RPO, but but one where there's there's both the run from the running back or uh, Jalen Daniels has the option to keep it or throw the football, and that's when, when Kansas becomes really really dangerous. So. Uh, I think that once they were able to establish that, you had BYU's linebackers super confused and concerned about him running, uh, and and that opened up lots of holes for the running back, and then it also opened up holes for him to throw the ball a little bit further down the field. So um, it's going to be really interesting. Kansas is taking on Texas this week in what could potentially be a look-ahead spot for the Longhorns as they're prepping for the Red River rivalry the following week. 17-point line on that game. Later this, I guess later this week, I I may have a play on that game when it comes to just predicting that one. But um, it'll be interesting. Uh, Kansas is is a good football team. They they that's really kind of the long and short of it. I don't think BYU played super poorly. I do think there's got to be a little bit more uh, reining in on Keaton Slovis, like rolling out of the pocket, especially like when there's not a reason to roll out of the pocket. Um, feel like he got a taste of of running he got his first rushing touchdown of his career in his first game at BYU and now I feel like he's he's leaving the pocket when there's really no reason for him to leave if there's a clean pocket he should be staying in it that is his game uh it's 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 not uh going on the move and throwing across his body and, and back to the middle of the field which he's done several times and has now paid for it uh a, a couple times with interception so yeah BYU runs for yeah. nine yards in that game um Steve, you talk about the pick six. If you go fast forward two plays for that 
There's another one that should have been a pick six. All right, before that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Keaton has to throw for 50, 50 attempts. If you're not running the ball, and that's going to be a problem right now for this BYU team, they cannot run the ball very well. Um, if you're not running the ball, you you're going to die and live and die by the passing and throwing fifty times a game. Probably not a good idea. So, also, yeah. I, can I pull that analytic about go fast back rewind to Oklahoma real quick? Please. So Kelly Ford is a, a guy I follow on analytics, and he has a stat. He says it's called the average scoring margin per game relative to what would be expected from an average top twenty-five team given the schedule. So, an average top twenty-five team would outscore this team by x amount of points, and Oklahoma is the number one team that has outscored their points more than the expected average twenty-five or more than the expected average team would do against their 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 opponents. They average. Or they outscored their teams nineteen point nine points, like per game, more than the average top twenty five team would. Wow! You have to factor in teams that lose. You know, probably that affects it, but still. Yeah, and that that, that would. Yeah, basically, it's Oklahoma at nineteen point nine, Washington at sixteen point nine, and Penn State at fifteen point nine, and then Oregon at fifteen point seven. Then you have a drop off, goes down to twelve. So you, those are your four teams that are outscoring teams more than people would expect. Personally, I, I would love to see that continue for the Sooners. Um, I, I'm not one who's keen to watch Texas be back, in quotes. Um, <laughs> and that would be one that would keep it as, you might have beat us last year, but we've won the Big 12 a lot more frequently than you have. Um, so looking two weeks ahead, of course. Um Back to Kansas BYU. BYU takes their first loss of the season and the loss in their first game in conference play. Kansas now number twenty-four in the country in both the AP poll and the coaches poll, so making their way up there in, in the rankings. Last game that we want to touch on uh, for this week: West Virginia beats Texas Tech. Uh, I don't have the score in front of me. I think it was twenty to seventeen, though. If my my recollection is correct. We had some predictions about Neil Brown, and we had some predictions, and by we, I mean me and Steve, about Texas Tech. Uh, and those have gone different directions than, than I'd say, I'd say very different directions than we would have anticipated coming into the year. West Virginia starting a, a freshman quarterback, um, who's able to get it done against the Red Raiders this week. Steve. Yeah. I'm just, just, just owning it. I, I think the, the worst record I saw Texas tech having to this point in the season was three and one. Like I, I didn't think they were going to beat Oregon. But certainly thought Wyoming, that's 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 a win that I would have put in granite, you know, carved that in stone. Uh, same for this. I, I know it was a road game uh, against West Virginia. I still felt like Texas Tech was probably the better team, uh, or at least the more talented team going into that, and didn't get it done. Obviously, uh, Tyler Shuck has a broken fibula, something like that. Breaks his leg in the game. I don't know if he'll return this season. I would doubt it. Um, but yeah, that, that one, I, again, I, there's a reason I didn't choose them on our win totals draft. I do think they're a year out still, um, but they might be a quarterback out too. So we'll have to see, we'll have to see about that. Uh, man, hats off to Neil Brown rallying the troops and, and doing it. He hasn't had like the best injury luck again. Garrett green left this game with, Oh, he, he didn't even play in this game. Did he? Mm-mm. Sorry. He left the last game with injury. Yeah, he left the last game. Uh, and uh, excuse me on that. So winning with with the backup QB and you know he he's rallying the troops. And now that we've got a few more data points on how hard that team's going to play, 
for for Neil Brown, like, hey, there's a couple other games here that I think are 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 winnable. Like, you know, I don't have their schedule right in front of me at this very moment, but there there's certainly some that they could potentially pull out. Um, in fact, I'll get it in front of me. Give me just one yeah, second. redshirt freshman Nico Marquial throws for 78 yards, two interceptions, but then also rushes for 72. So. Yeah, and finding ways to win at TCU. Like I don't know if I would favor them to win that game this this coming weekend at Houston. That's a winnable game versus Oklahoma State. Absolutely winnable game uh, at UCF. Perhaps not hosting BYU. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not super sold on BYU just yet. Um, I, I felt better about them. You know, I feel better about them than I did heading into the season. But I mean, you get them at home. I think that's that's a possible winnable game at Oklahoma. Probably not. Uh, home versus Cincinnati, yeah. Drag them into the muck. Play play them in your style of game, and you can win that game at Baylor. Will Dave Aranda be the coach at Baylor? I, we don't know. Uh, so uh, th- th- this is one that I think is is one of the more surprising developments of this season. So good on the Mountaineers. Yeah, good start for West Virginia and. Uh, not the trajectory that a lot of people predicted, but something that will be really uh, welcome in Morgantown. Uh, for our win totals draft recap, are we both? We're at a, a, almost an hour thirty here. We're good to push that to the next uh, next pod we have. Yep. All right, yeah. let's get into some parting shots and, and we can close. Um, I'll, I'll I'll lead us off here. Having gone to Fayetteville and having gone to Clemson, Death Valley is not that intimidating of a place to play. Um, and I was surprised by that because walking to the stadium was pretty intense and pretty intimidating, but it was not a very loud stadium, even in pretty critical moments. And that was really surprising to me. Uh, I felt like you were kind of, you know, almost out of the stadium and not actually I mean, down the bottom. <laughs> maybe that's it. But to me, it was just like, they pipe in really loud stadium noise. Like every stadium does. I don't, you know, slight them for that, but then you have, the stadium cuts off the noise. It's a big third down and you kind of have the crowd continue to go at it. That's, that's generally how it goes when you go to a college football game. And it was just, I don't know if they felt comfortable with the situation because they didn't trail at any point in the game until overtime or if there was some kind of ease there, but I expected it to be a lot louder than it was. There was only one time where I was like, Oh man, that's gotta be tough to communicate. Every other time I was, and Jordan Travis does a lot of communicating of, Oh, here's the blitz. You know, it kind of takes place slow often trying to dissect what the defense is doing and what the best read is going to be or, or any protections that they need to get into. I just, I was similar. I was much higher. I should say I was much higher for the Arkansas game in the stadium than I was in the Clemson game. And it was much louder in Arkansas for a game against BYU that you were already out to a 14 point lead, like three minutes into the game. I don't know. I, I, I get that that's not how it's always been in Death Valley. I, I understand it's supposed to be a much more intimidating environment. It's also a noon game, so your ability to uh, prepare might be a little impaired. Uh, it's a little early, but... Not quite as I, impaired as you want to be. A little bit, yeah. yeah, a little bit of a letdown. I'm not going to lie. So, not not a, a shot, but just a, an observation. Wasn't, wasn't what you would have thought. Any other uh, parting shots? Yeah, I had a couple. Uh, Dion, after the win against Colorado State, said, uh, "You can't. If you didn't make me, you can't break me. And if you didn't build me, you can't kill me." Uh, Oregon killed him. <laughs> uh, so, 
I have to give credit where credit's due. Um, uh, yeah, Danny Lanning may, may not have been, uh, made him, but he sure did break him. Uh, Davos Sweeney had a quote from a years back when they beat Auburn after Auburn's national championship game, uh, national championship run in, in 2010 and 2011. Uh, I think two or three games into the season. At the end, he just got this post-game interview, and he's like, and I can't think of a better place to end a streak than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. I was kind of hoping Mike Norvell might pull that out, and he didn't. So, wasted opportunity. But uh, tip my cap to the Knolls, ending a seven-game losing streak to the Tigers, uh, perhaps reestablishing themselves as the team to beat in the Atlantic Coast Conference. There we go. Corey, any parting shots? No, I'm good today. All right. We'll wrap it up with that. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to like, subscribe, rate us five stars, comment, uh, all the stuff on whatever platform you're watching us on. And make sure to engage with us. Uh, you can DM us on any of our social medias or, or tweet at us. We'd love to incorporate more of what you're interested in, the teams that you would like greater focus on, questions that you want to know, um, our, our opinions on, our takes. Uh, anything like that, we'll, we'll make sure to incorporate in the show. So go ahead and, and be alive with that. With that, we'll catch you next time. See ya.